Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we can only imagine a part of what it cost you. We just want to say thank you. We want to live lives that say thank you. Thank you for holding us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us what real love really is. Every drop of blood that Jesus shed was a drop of love. Please speak to us as we listen to Sam speaking your word and as we spend time taking communion. We ask this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus who shed his blood. Amen. Trust that as we've uh, shared the story, perhaps some new things have uh, been revealed to you uh, as you just listen to the words of Scripture. You know, whenever Jesus did something, he was always pointing to something bigger, whether it be in his, his teaching, his miracles, and even his death on the cross. He's pointing to something that he is doing. And you may have been around the church for a while, and you may know why Jesus died and how he died. Perhaps today you've heard this story for the first time. Perhaps today you're understanding for the first time that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. But my hope today is that as we've been reflecting and as we have a short time of communion in a moment, you'll discover more meaningful, more meaningful sense of the, that Jesus' death was not just for you for a moment in time, but Jesus was doing something bigger for the entire world. So I want to actually go back to the beginning. In the beginning, in Genesis, God creates everything. He creates man, creates woman in a perfect garden paradise. And he says in Genesis 1, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was very good. It was just as God had planned and purposed it to be. Best of all, they had peace with God. The word there, peace, means shalom, which is a wholeness. They had wholeness, peace with God. They had peace with themselves. It says that they were naked and without any shame. And they had peace with each other. When Adam first saw Eve, he said, Here is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This garden was a paradise where all of creation, not just human beings, lived in perfect intimacy and harmony and peace until sin enters the world. I want to look at, interestingly, the language that is used here when the Bible first talks about how sin enters. 
in, in Genesis 3, verse 6. Uh, Eve sees the fruit, and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now, I don't know if you've picked up there, but when, G- when God created the world, he saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. Then when Eve saw the fruit, and it was very good. It's the very same language used to describe, to describe God just a few chapters earlier. And what the writer is trying to say is that sin is born when we try to take the place of God. You see, sin is not just a behaviour. It is not just uh, doing wrong things. I think sometimes when we, we share the story, uh, particularly in, in kids' stories, we focus on the bad things that we do, and it turns it into a bit of a, a Santa Claus-type gospel where it's about being good or it's about being bad. You see, sin is not about doing bad things. It is a behaviour, it's a condition that each and every one of us are born into. And it happened when Adam and Eve placed themselves in the place of God. Where there was perfect intimacy and harmony and peace. Now because of sin, there is broken intimacy, harmony and peace. See, after, they, after sin, they experience brokenness with God. God says that they came to look for them and they were hiding for they were ashamed. They experienced brokenness with themselves. They felt naked and they made clothes to hide themselves, to, to clothe themselves. First recorded uh, case of, um, <laughs> of uh, low self-esteem right there. And they had brokenness with each other. We know the joke. Adam blames blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent, and the serpent had no leg to stand on. Now, let's fast forward to Jesus. We've heard the story this morning of the trial, the mockery, the betrayal, that he's uh, finally led out to the cross to be crucified and died. We know that Jesus had to do this for us to take our sin. But in doing this, Jesus is pointing to something bigger. The punish that we deserved on that cross. You know, when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he is doing is taking our brokenness with God to the cross. Jesus was stripped naked. There again is that imagery that spoke about brokenness with self, and in doing so, Jesus takes our brokenness with self to the cross. And all the way, whether it be the trial or as Jesus is led out with his cross, people are hurling insults at him. Blame, accusation. There is a brokenness with each other that Jesus is experiencing And Jesus takes that brokenness that we have with each other to the cross. You see, sin entered 
He takes our brokenness and gives us his wholeness. You see, sin entered the world when man takes the place of God. Sin exits the world when God takes the place of man. When Jesus took our sin, our condition, not just our behaviour, he takes our brokenness with God, he takes our brokenness with self, and he takes our brokenness with each other to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus takes every aspect of that brokenness so that you, me, every woman, man and child who has ever lived and indeed all of creation can again now live in perfect intimacy, harmony and peace that we first read about in the garden. We are not meant to live in our brokenness. It is not part of God's original design. We are not meant to live in our brokenness with ourselves, with each other and especially no brokenness to God. Jesus died to restore that intimacy, that harmony, that peace, that shalom, that wholeness. And that is the good news. On the cross, Jesus didn't just take our sins. He didn't just bear our punishment. He took all of our brokenness so that all of us could finally experience wholeness. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, But now Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our shalom, our wholeness, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It wasn't in John's gospel, but in the other gospels we read that the curtain that separated mankind and God was torn in two. For he has removed the barrier and he has given us wholeness. I want to read to you uh, Ephesians 2 from the message version. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you were outsiders to God's way and had no idea of any of this. You didn't know first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest, faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises of Israel. and You hadn't a clue about what God was doing. But now, but now, because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Are in on everything. We're going to spend some time in communion and we're going to take a little bit more time on communion than we perhaps normally would. In Luke's Gospel, after Jesus has been raised, some men were walking on an Emmaus road and they were discussing all that had happened in Jerusalem and Jesus' death. And they didn't recognise Jesus. And then when Jesus took them into a home and they started to have a meal, it says this, when he was at the table with them, he took bread 
gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. See, it was in the taking of communion that they fully realised the magnitude and the wonder of what Jesus had done. And as we've been talking about God taking our brokenness in Christ, what a beautiful image it is when Jesus holds up the loaf of bread and he says, take this, my body, which is broken for you. Here, literally, we see Jesus taking on our brokenness and his body being broken for us in order that we might receive his wholeness, his goodness. You know, in his trial, it was considered that there was nothing, he had done nothing wrong. In fact, Jesus lived a blameless, sinless life, and he gives us that life, and we give him our brokenness. And so in the communion, we are representing that and we are remembering that this morning. And so as we come to our communion time now, I'm going to lead you in something. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples, he said, Peace be with you, shalom, wholeness. We're going to pass that peace now. It's going to be something that is done uh, perhaps in other traditions. I'm going to say, peace to the Lord be with you, and you're going to respond back to me and also with you. And then you're going to, then you're going to turn to the person next to you, and you're going to say, peace to the Lord be with you, and they'll respond and also with you. So, peace of the Lord be with you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say the peace. Christ, our Lord, invites us to this table. It is an invitation to share in a meal, and it is open to all those who love him and all those who are earnestly seeking him. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table, trusting in your mercy, not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table. But it is your nature to always have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. I'm just going to encourage us now to have just a bit of silent time as we come to God with our own confessions, as we come silently and lay our own confessions to God. So would you do that now? God of mercy, we ask you to forgive our sins, those we've just silently prayed and those that we haven't even mentioned. Give us grace today to make a fresh start. We know that we have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbour as ourselves. As we hope to be forgiven, teach us how to forgive and lead us forward in new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now it says in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that it is my joy and it is my honour to declare to you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And as I speak those words, the reality of that might be beginning to have a effect on you as the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you. Your sins, because of the cross, are forgiven. Hear the words of the institution of this sacrament as recorded by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, the cup after supper, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it for the remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we do as according to our Saviour's command, we set this bread and this cup apart for the Holy Supper to which he calls us. This is the gifts of God for the people of God. Uh, as you came in, <laughs> somewhere, here's Kathy's name. As you came in, you were asked to bring, uh, write your name. And what we're going to do now is something very symbolic. As you come forward for communion, and we're going to start from the front and we're going to come around in a circular way, I'm going to ask that you come and you take your name and in what you're doing is you're representing the fact that you have died with Christ and that all of your sins are in him and are buried in him, all of your brokenness with self, all of your brokenness with each other and all of your brokenness with God is represented in this black card. And as you grab a piece of blue tack, you can stick it to the cross representing that Jesus has taken your brokenness. And then as you give Jesus your brokenness, you then participate in his meal where he gives you his wholeness, his shalom, his peace by representing his body being broken for you and his blood shed for you. So a song is going to be played. I encourage you, you can come, you can dwell at the foot of the cross. For many of you, uh, this is a, a very normal thing. For some of you, it might be something that is new. Can I encourage you to take a moment to be with God? Perhaps one or two of you might have heard something new and want to respond you might even want to pray at the foot of the cross, Lord Jesus, I've heard this morning for the first time that my sins are forgiven. I want to follow you and lead you. Would you be Lord in my life? Take that opportunity this morning to do so. So we're going to play a track. Come with your brokenness, give it to Jesus, and then take his wholeness in the form of the bread and the wine. We'll start at the front and we'll come out this way and head out.
If you've come today and you've experienced something new, perhaps something you've never really felt before, and you'd like to explore that further, you'd like to talk to someone, please just come to someone and just to say, hey, I'd like to talk to you with you about what I learned this morning or what I heard or what I felt. We'd love to be able to pray with you, talk about what that means. You know, today is Good Friday and we, we talk about the cross that he took our sins but this is not the end of the Easter story and on Sunday we invite you to come as we celebrate the fact that he again became alive and he defeated death he defeated sin and as he was raised to life so we have a new life a new life in him what a wonderful what a wonderful story so I invite you to come on Sunday and share that with us. That finishes our time together this morning. Just want to read to you from Colossians chapter 1 as we end. And we can have some time of fellowship as we have coffee and hot cross buns together. And maybe you might want to talk to someone about something that the Lord spoke to you about or something new in the story that you'd never heard before. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, by making shalom through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your sin, but now he has reconciled you to Christ through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you as holy, to present you as blameless, free from accusation and without blemish. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out by the gospel, this is the gospel you've heard today and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and for which Paul became a servant. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death on the cross, that you took all of our brokenness, all of our pain, all of our suffering, and that you have given us your wholeness, your peace, and we've been reconciled to you. And now we can have what was your original design, to have peace with you, to have peace with ourselves, and to have peace with each other. So, Lord, we thank you for this great day. We ask that as we go from here, you continue to speak to us. Lord, whether it be a scripture or a song or a word that was spoken today, 
May that seed do a new thing in our hearts. And may we be transformed because of it. All because of your love. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.